well, well, well. Tom Wilson got a three-game suspension. It seems like enough, but it's not. If the series goes to a Game 7, which I expect, that Game 7 will be an excrement show. It'll be like the Roman Coliseum, and I mean that in the worst possible way. Wilson should be gone for the series. Actually, he should be gone for like 40 games. Wilson caved the guy's head in. He could have killed Zach Aston Reese. And yet some defend the hit and criticize the suspension. Add Aaron Ward to that list of knuckleheads, the ex-defenseman. This should be a great time of year and a great series. Instead, it's turned into a circus. It's a distraction and a ruination. Hockey is broken. This is the Mark Madden Show. Game four is tonight. And most of me wants the Penguins to win the game and go on to win the series. But about 10% of me just wants this nonsense to be over. The number to call is 412-333-WXDX. Or you can follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. On the positive side, it looks like Carl Haglin may play tonight if the morning skate is any indication. I'd be curious to see what line Haglin skates on. It makes sense to put him with Gino and Kessel because that unit was going pretty good when all the guys were healthy, but right now, even though all three may be playing this evening, they won't be healthy. Do you want three guys playing hurt all on the same line. Uh, back to my thoughts about Tom Wilson, the suspension, and the ongoing aftermath. Old-timers think hockey is their game. Like Milbury, Melrose, Aaron Ward, Keith Jones, Roenick, Barnaby, Stu Grimson. But hockey doesn't belong to anybody. Like every sport, hockey is continuously evolving. Eddie Shore would have thought Mike Milbury was a sissy. Hockey just hasn't evolved enough in terms of player safety. Hockey is a dangerous game, and the players know the risk involved, but it boggles my mind that anyone would defend a play, a hit, where the victim got a broken jaw and a concussion... And that hit was not to prevent a goal or score a goal or anything constructive. It was violence for the sake of violence. There was no point to Tom Wilson's hit. Anyway, game four is tonight. Let's try and talk about the hockey. The Penguins need to be smarter. Not much better, but a lot smarter. They need to be more judicious on the pinch and cut down the odd man breaks. If that happens, and Matt Murray plays better in goal, Pittsburgh wins tonight. But I do have some concerns, even though Pittsburgh trails by the narrowest of margins, by two games to one. My concerns are, A, Alex Ovechkin is taking over the series. Ovi has a goal in each game and has been a constant threat. B, 
I don't sense the Penguins would rally from being down three games to one and win three straight. I don't sense these Penguins could dig that deep. What do you think? Dow 412333WXDX. Uh, it's hard not to keep talking about the Wilson hit and the suspension and the reaction to the hit and to the suspension. Hockey has never been good at understanding what sells the game and who sells the game. Tom Wilson doesn't sell one ticket. If Tom Wilson disappeared from the face of the earth, hockey would only be affected in a positive fashion. And that hit on Zach Aston Reese appeals to only the most vile element of hockey fans. What the NHL has to do moving forward is what Ken Dryden said, the Hall of Fame goalie. Every single headshot has to be penalized and disciplined. Intent needs to be taken out of the mix. And George Paros needs to be removed as the director of player safety. As a former goon, someone who was a threat to player safety every time he took the ice, George Paros just can't be trusted to do the right thing. Because as a player, George Paros always did the wrong thing. Paros only gave Wilson three games because he was backed into a corner in terms of PR and because Reese had tangible injury. Something I said before should really resonate. Uh, Eddie Shore, who was the all-time great Boston defenseman in the 30s, he would have thought Mike Milbury was a sissy. The game used to be even more violent. Look at the 70s. But the game evolved. Let it keep evolving. Did you ever see Ted Lindsay? I mean, Ted Lindsay now. Ted Lindsay was a real good player for Detroit in the 50s. Very good and very, very dirty. And, of course, opponents retaliated. Today, and really ever since he retired from hockey, Ted Lindsay has a face that looks like somebody stomped up and down on it with a spike shoe. I mean, for God's sake, is that what we want? And if we do, what is wrong with us? 412-333-9939 up. TJ Oshie of the Capitals spoke today about the Wilson suspension. He said some outrageous things, by my reckoning. Quote, there's been a million times where I've gotten hit. I go to the ref and say I've gotten hit in the head. The ref just says he's bigger than you. That's the way it goes, unquote. Oh, she said specifically of the suspension, I think it's pretty extreme. I think it's very extreme, actually. It's two guys who see each other. They both go to hit each other. Usually one guy loses that battle, unquote. EJ, uh, TJ Oshie says he feels like Tom Wilson was, quote, taken away from us, unquote. Well, maybe the Penguins feel like Zach Aston Reese was taken away from them. I wonder if TJ Oshie ever thought of that. Barry Trotz, uh, he didn't speak today on the suspension as far as I know, but Barry Trotz said after the game on Tuesday that whatever the NHL decided, the Capitals would live with it. Well, TJ Oshie 
prove that that's a lie. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, I saw Super Troopers 2 last night. It was okay. Pretty funny. Rob Lowe is really funny. Emmanuel Creaky still looks really good from Entourage. And the entire movie makes fun of Canadian stereotypes. I'm surprised Tom Wilson didn't make a cameo. Uh, the Steelers converted Ryan Shazier's salary for the upcoming season into an $8 million signing bonus. That's payable now. That's a nice gesture and good PR. In other hockey news, uh, Tampa Bay won at Boston 4-1. to Tampa Bay leads that series two games to one. And San Jose killed Vegas 4-0. That series is 2-2. I've been wondering if Vegas would ever run out of adrenaline, and I saw signs of that last night, although it is only one loss. We got Tom Galitti. He covers the NHL for NHL.com. He'll join me at 3.30. And Josh Joey from TheAthletic.com will be on the program at 4.30. It's a hockey night in Pittsburgh. Big screen rocks. Big screen rocks. Big screen rocks. But it really is so hard to get back into this series after that Wilson hit and the controversy. I posted a blog that outlines my feelings on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. I just can't believe anybody would defend that hit, but literally hundreds of people are. It really does boggle my mind, and it makes me question the people involved with hockey on so many levels. Here's a tweet I got from Nick. He says, it's tough to explain to his six-year-old son that's part of the game, while USA Hockey trains coaches to preach to children that checking should never be used to punish or hurt someone. Uh, Nick, thank you for the tweet, and that's right on the money. What do you say to a kid who witnesses what Wilson did and then hears everybody trying to justify it? I'd love to hear Mike Milbury or Barry Melrose explain to a six-year-old kid why it was okay that Tom Wilson broke Zach Aston Reese's head. Then again, remember when Mike Milbury went after the 12-year-old after a youth hockey game in which his son played. That's the big problem. You, you turn on the TV, you know who's talking about hockey? A bunch of creeps. That's who's talking about hockey. 105.9 The X. This is Jake Gensel of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden in the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Devontae Smith-Pelly will take Tom Wilson's spot on the Capitals' first line with Ovechkin and Kuznetsov. Uh, definitely a drop in impact and a drop in production. Uh, Wilson has played pretty well this series, uh, maybe because it's suicidal for an opponent to get near him, but he did have four points in the first three games of this series against the Penguins. Here's an example of what's driving me crazy about the aftermath of the Wilson hit and suspension. I was watching the NHL Network this morning, and the talking heads are saying what a great hockey player Tom Wilson is, and if Aston Reese isn't hurt, Wilson would not have been suspended. This is on a network owned and operated by the National Hockey League. On a network owned and operated by the National Hockey League, the talking heads should be saying, 
that it has no place in the game, and that's why Wilson got suspended. You could be absolutely certain that's how it would be handled on the NFL network. The NHL needs to exercise better control of the media that works for the league. That includes the NHL network, and it includes NBC. But one of the idiots on the NHL network this morning was Tyson Nash, another goon who can't play a lick that they handed a microphone. So what do you expect? On the other hand, Brian Burke, the old general manager, he said the suspension was the right call, and he's his Neanderthal as they come. 412-333-9939 is the number to call up. Pitt Athletics has started a Hall of Fame. Seems a bit overdue. I thought they had something like that for football anyway. The retired numbers, the banners hanging at Heinz Field on non-stealer weekends. Uh, But the the Hall of Fame, the first class, is all the usual suspects. Dorsett, Fralick, Marino, Roger Kingdom, Billy Knight, Jock Sutherland, and people no one has ever heard of because certain sports and genders must be represented. Uh, But it's a good idea, especially when you consider the actual primary goal of Pitt starting a Sports Hall of Fame right now. And that actual primary goal is to make us forget that Pitt athletics aren't very good right now. Uh... At ESPN, the morning show's ratings still suck. Get up. Co-hosted by Mike Greenberg and the Axis Powers. And the ratings for the 6 p.m. Sports Center are up over 10% since Michael Smith and Jamel Hill got pulled. There's a lesson there, but I'm not sure anybody wants to learn it. Let's go to Brian and Carrick. Brian, you're on the Mark Madden Show. What up, man? What up, man? Hey, as a former former hockey player, I where'd you play? What? Where'd you play? I played for Carrick. That's not good enough to come on this show and say you were a former hockey player. Goodbye. What did we talk about yesterday? To come on the show and represent yourself as a former hockey player and pretend that that experience means something in terms of. You having a credible opinion? Junior A or Division One College? That is the minimum level of achievement to come on and represent like your hockey background means anything. Like if you're, uh, what's a good example? Matt Scoff, the goalie who played for Penn State. He's local. I think he's living here again. If Matt calls up and wants to say, hey, I played hockey at Penn State, that's terrific. Matt Bartkowski, he's home. Calgary didn't make the playoffs. If Bart wants to call up and say, hey, I play juniors, Ohio State, and in the NHL, I'll take that very seriously. Trocek, the Panthers are done. he got to be home. Why can't he call? Instead of the stumble bum who played for Carrick. City League Hockey is great, said no one ever Let's go to Larry in Green Tree. Larry, you're on the Mark Madden show. Hey, Mr. Madden. I, I'm, you know what? If 
Phil Kessel is injured as badly as he's playing. I mean, I'm frustrated that he didn't take he he, he sacrificed his Ironman streak. You know, and missed some games towards the end of the year. I, I agree, and we talked about that today on the Stan Savard program. The Ironman streak becomes meaningless when you artificially prolong it by playing hurt and ineffective anyway. Uh, no doubt in my mind, Phil should have taken a, a game or two off, but I understand the significance of that streak, too. It's not something I hate Phil for. I just wish he'd done different. Up next, we'll talk hockey with Tom Galitti. Covers the NHL for NHL.com. I'm Mark Madden on 105.9. This is Evgeny Malkin, and you are listening to Mark Madden on 105.9 The X. Pretty big hockey game in town tonight. It's game four of the Penguins and Capitals at PPG Paints Arena. Joining me to discuss from NHL.com, Tom Galitti. Tom, what's your take on the Wilson suspension? Too long, too short, what? Well, I mean, these, there are people who decide these things at the league, and I, I think they got it right. I mean, the, the the situation was explained pretty well, I thought, on the video. Um, and uh, you know, Tom, Tom, unfortunately, that you know, Aston Reese got injured in this situation, which 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 you know, one wants to see. And uh, you know, Tom Tom Wilson has been uh, kind of walking that line uh, a little bit here, and he's he's tried to learn maybe uh, to to be on the right side of it and, and unfortunately it did not work out this time and, and and really you know I think the the league got the decision right here as you point out uh, on nhl.com today wilson is a big loss to washington as a player especially given how he's played in this series yeah i mean i think uh, some people still think of him as being like you know a fourth line guy maybe kills kills penalties which he was really up until maybe the playoffs last year and he's he was he took on a bigger role this year i mean people forget he was a first round pick and I think he kind of maybe came up too early in his career and got into this mold of being a fourth liner who bangs. And he can still play physical, but he fit pretty well in that line with with uh, Ovechkin and, and Kuznetsov. And like, and he had he has had four assists in this series so far, and and played a you know played a role in helping them win these games. Uh, some passes he made has led have led to the two on ones and odd man rushes that the Capitals have had had some success with. So uh, yeah, I, th- I think he will be missed. And uh, also on the penalty kill, especially against such a good power play like the Penguins have. How will Smith Pelly do on that line with Ovechkin and Kuznetsov? He's also a physical presence, isn't he, Tom? Yeah, they, they play a similar game. He plays a similar game to, to Tom Wilson, and he played earlier this season, probably in the first couple of months. Maybe it was he played with uh, with Ovechkin and Kuznetsov, and and he, he, so he can do some of the same things. He can get in on a forecheck. He plays with uh, some physicality, get in the corners, dig the pucks out, stuff like that. He can, you know, he can take the body, he does those things, and he's been doing those things on the on the third line. So he's just going to be playing in a little bit of a bigger role in in this situation. Um, I think they will miss uh, Tom, but but Devontae is a pretty good uh, replacement in that spot. I think. Where is Braden Holtby's game at right now? The Washington goalie, except for that Pittsburgh explosion. Uh, in the late going of game one, he's been pretty sound, hasn't he? Yeah, I, I think since he came in in uh, game three of the, what well, came in, in in halfway through uh, or with the period left in, in game two in the Columbus series, but since he became the starter again in game three against Columbus, he's played really well. Like you mentioned, that 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 little uh, you know that surge for the Penguins in the third period of game one, maybe he probably would want back at least one of those goals. But other, but other than that, he's been really good in this series, and I think. That's kind of been a difference for the Capitals since compared to last year. He didn't play his best, I don't think, early in that series last year when the and Mark Andre Fleury played very well, and that was how the the Penguins built a three one series lead. Tonight's game seems pivotal, doesn't it? Because I'm not sure I see Pittsburgh rallying 
from being down three games to one. I'm not sure after two straight years going to the final and winning that they'll have the energy to do that. Yeah, that, that's something you, you're always keeping an eye on with the Penguins because they played so many games, and you know, even if they get past this series, what, you know, what will they have left? Um, I'll, you don't want to be down three-one. That said, you know, the Penguins, the Penguins, and the Capitals have a history, and I don't think anybody in Washington would be comfortable even at three-one until until the until the last game is won with with uh, the way Washington's history has gone. And I wouldn't count out the Penguins because they 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 have such a good team and and they do they have the ability to come back. But like you said, they have a lot of miles on them. So for the for for the Penguins, obviously they they want to win this game tonight. They don't want to have to try to come back. You know, it, although you know they have done well on the road, they would have to win two, you know two, at least twice and they have to win twice in Washington to to win the series if they lost tonight. Here's a weird stat, Tom. What do you make of it? Pittsburgh has yet to score in the first period this series. Is that Pittsburgh coming out flat? Is that Washington uh, batting down the hatches in the early going? What's contributed to that? Well, I thought the first two games the, the Capitals definitely started better. I thought uh, game three the Penguins started pretty well, but the Capitals did a good job of withstanding that early surge you know, with, with you know, Braden Holby making some key saves. Um, I think the, obviously, you know, the, the, I think the, the Capitals have scored uh, first in eight or nine games, and the first periods have been really good for them. I think they outscored teams ten to two in the first period in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, I, I, the Penguins. I don't know. If the first two games maybe they didn't start with as much you know energy or aggressiveness as you'd like to see, but I thought they started pretty well in Game Three, and I need to do that again tonight. I think we're top, talking to Tom Galitti of NHL.com here on the Mark Madden Show. Uh, Tom, what does Washington have to do to slow down that Crosby line, which has been just terrific? And does it really matter if the Penguins don't get productions besides from that line? Yeah, it's a good question because, you know, I think the, the Capitals are pretty happy with how the series has been played other than, you know, obviously Crosby's line has been getting a lot of good chances. And I think here in Pittsburgh with uh, the Penguins having the last change, they've gotten been able to get Crosby's line away a little bit from the from the uh, Orloff and Niskanen pairing. And, and instead of playing against Backstrom's line, they're playing against uh, – Kuznetsov, Kuznetsov, and Ovechkin, and that has helped. Led to, they've gotten some chances against it, but they've also uh, the Capitals have also gotten some chances against Crosby's line. So, but I, you know, slowing Crosby's line is is not an easy task to do, and and I think you know you know the, you're going to have to think at some point that the rest of the of the uh, Penguins lineup is going to start to produce. I think Malkin in his second game back. I thought he was pretty good in Game Three, but I think you know another game back he'll be even better tonight. And you think that Kessel at some point is going to start to make an impact in this series as well. Washington got a ton of odd man breaks in the third period of Game Three, including to score the winning goal. Where are those odd man breaks coming from? Well, I think they're doing a little bit of what uh, the Penguins did against the Capitals last year. In that, you know, the Penguins are pressuring in the offensive zone; they're being aggressive with their defensemen, and the and the Capitals are able to kind of chip it back, chip it, chip it past the, the people, the point men, or through the neutral zone, or make a pass out into the neutral zone that's led to the take advantage of the uh, Penguins' aggressiveness and where they've been pressuring them in the offensive zone, and that's led to these odd man rushes. And, you know, and I know you talk about you know you want to, you need your D men to be careful, but the, you know they're getting some chances on at the Penguins, but you, there's a fine line you have to walk there. You have to be, you know, with the the Capitals have shown that they can play a little bit of a counterattack game, and and they have the skill to take advantage of those of those chances as we've seen. The Caps are undefeated on the road in the playoffs, 4-0. I mean, so much for home ice advantage, right? And the Penguins only have the one win at home so far. Yeah, that's a weird, weird thing. You know, if you go back to last season when they played, uh, the Capitals actually won two of the three games here in Pittsburgh, but 
the Penguins won three of the four games in Washington, and that's why they won that series. So it hasn't really home ice advantage hasn't really meant a lot uh, in the series in the playoffs, really in general, but particularly between these two teams and the cap. You know, the, the Capitals that they did well in the first round as well. They won all three games in Columbus, so uh, they've been really they've been really good on the road. I think they play a little bit of a simpler game and maybe not try to be as fancy when they're on the on the road, and that, I think that serves them. Uh, Serves them well and with their approach to the games, and that's you know I I expect you know home ice advantage still has some some you know there's an advantage to being at home, and I think that the Penguins might you would see more of that tonight. Is Alex Ovechkin taking over this series? I've been real impressed, Tom. He's got a goal in each game, and he's just manufacturing chance after chance after chance. Yeah, I, I think I think he's played really well offensively. Uh, you know that's that's what he does, and I think you know the the. Those, all of his goals, have, I believe, have come off the rush, and uh, that he can be dangerous the way he shoots the puck. He doesn't need, need uh, much room and or many chances even to score goals. Uh, but they haven't even, even done anything really as far as you know uh, establishing the puck and, and setting up chances in the offensive zone and, and to use him using the one timer really. So that's another thing to look for. But I, I've also been impressed though with the way he's he's made a more of an effort to, to play in his own play, be in the right position and play in his own zone and. You know, try to block some shots. He's not the best player at that. You know, but it, you know, that's not been something that he's been doing throughout his career. But I think he's kind of bought in this year more than I've seen him in the past, and that also carries over to the team and and an appreciation. And and that's I think that's one of the differences we've seen so far in the Capitals in the playoffs this season. How would you rate the Capitals' defense, both in this series and in general during the season? And let me say, Tom. I've been super impressed with Orloff. I thought he was ordinary last year. I think he's a legit top four, and then some this year. Orloff played had a really good season this year, regular season. I think he's kind of been up a little, a little up and down in the playoffs. Um, got off to kind of a shaky start against Columbus, and he played better. He's had some up and down moments. I think in this series as well. I mean, Jake Gensel made a made him look pretty bad on that on setting up the one goal for Sidney Crosby last game. I think him and Niskanen make a pretty good pairing, though, together. Niskanen, Niskanen, who was up and down during the regular season, I think is playing much better, and he's been the more consistent of the two in that pairing. But that's definitely their, the, the, the Capitals' best deep pair, and that's why you'll see them, you know, the Capitals, if their preference would be to have them out there against uh, Crosby's line for sure. We talked about Holpe before. What's your take on Matt Murray? I think he's played okay. I think he could play better. And that Niskanen goal to tie up game three, that, that was kind of rotten, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that was a that was a tough one, you know, and, and that's I kind of you know, those we look at everything else that's happened in the series, and it really can sometimes come down to goaltending. Remember how how well Mark Andre Fleury played against the, the Capitals last year, especially in the first four games of that series, and then again in and then in Game Seven, and he was the difference maker. And a couple of years ago, Matt Murray I thought was a difference maker for the a big difference maker for the Penguins in the series against the Capitals. And so far, other than Game One, where he really played well. I don't. He has not been at that same level yet. Um, we've seen him bounce back in the past in the playoffs from poor performances. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays tonight. You know, he's never lost three consecutive playoff games. So we'll see how how he brings it tonight. You know, that like you said, that missing goal was a tough one. A couple other chances in the series where maybe the puck didn't go in where he could, but he didn't handle them well. So he didn't look really sharp. I thought, especially in Game Three. But I think he'll definitely bounce back. I'm expecting him to bounce back in Game Four tonight. What's your call, Tom? Where's this series go from here? Um, I think we're going to have a six or seven game series still, so uh, it would not surprise me, you know, if the, if the Penguins tie these things, tie this up tonight. You know, like uh, I, I, the Penguins have all have lost three in a row at home. Do we really expect them to lose four consecutive games at home in the playoffs? That's really a lot to ask. I think for the for the Capitals to win, 
keep winning on the road like this as well as they play. So I think we're going to see a 2-2 series, and it's going to be at least six games. Tom, great stuff. We'll see you tonight at the rink. All right, thanks, Mark. That's Tom Goody, great writer, great hockey guy. Uh, check out his work at NHL.com. Uh, we're going to get away from hockey for just a second after the break. Have you heard about this Washington uh, NFL cheerleader story? About them being forced to pose topless for a calendar shoot. Can you really force someone to pose topless? Well, that's what these cheerleaders are claiming. But I think there's two sides to this story. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. Carl Hagelin of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. The cheerleaders for the Washington NFL team were reportedly required to post topless for a photo shoot in 2013. They were also required to act as escorts for team sponsors at a nightclub event. Sex wasn't required, but it sounds like pimping to me. Make no mistake, it's degrading, it's terrible. On a boat outing, they participated in twerking contests for money. Or required to, I suppose. See, that's the word I keep coming back to is how do you require someone to do those things? And isn't the concept of cheerleaders kind of outdated at every level, let alone professional football? And don't these women get paid almost nothing? So why do they do it? Why do they let themselves be exploited like that? For what? Minimal financial reward and the full prestige of being a cheerleader? Ha! What a bunch of marks. Don't get me wrong. What the women were asked to do by men is wrong. But the women could have said no, could have walked away, and definitely should have. And yo, don't the outfits exploit in and of themselves? Once you agree to put on that outfit, aren't you agreeing to be exploited? The Steelers do it right with the cheerleaders, which is to say they don't have cheerleaders. No Quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. In other NFL news, Jason Witten quit the Dallas Cowboys to take the color commentary job in the Monday Night Football booth. Witten is going to make twice as much money to not take a pounding and to work far fewer days. So that's a good career move. Witten doesn't have one iota, not even a smidge of broadcasting experience. So that should be encouraging to all the communications majors out there. You don't need a degree, you don't need experience, you just need a jock strap. It's another victory for the jockocracy. Oh, I saw the second episode of Brockmire last night. It is better than ever. Brockmire is back and better than ever. 412-333-9939 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Ichiro retired today. 
He was playing for Seattle. That's where he started in the big leagues. And he will be transitioning to a front office job. He is not the all-time hit leader. I've seen that in a bunch of headlines. No, he's not the all-time hit leader. Ichiro's hits in Japan don't count. Just to clarify, you're going to count his hits in Japan? Count Pete Rose's hits in high school ball and in Little League. Rose holds the hit record for the major leagues. Anything else is not the major leagues and therefore doesn't count. Uh, hockey is broken. I got a blog expounding that viewpoint on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. Here's some more sad hockey news. Bill Torrey passed away today. Uh, Bowtie Bill. He was the general manager of the New York Islanders Stanley Cup dynasty. They won four consecutive Stanley Cups in 1980, 81, 82, and 83. And he was the first president of the Florida Panthers and brought them to prominence fairly quickly. Uh, Mr. Torrey had roots in Pittsburgh as the business manager for the American Hockey League's Pittsburgh Hornets. That was the professional franchise that preceded the Penguins here in Pittsburgh. Uh, Mr. Torrey maintained a home in Hampton, out Rod 8, uh, for many, many years uh, after working here in Pittsburgh. Uh, he was a good hockey man, and he will be missed. Uh, Bill Torrey, RIP. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. At the top of the hour, I'll be talking about the notion that hockey is broken. I want the Penguins to win tonight in this series. But what happened with Wilson, the hit, and then the defending of Wilson, making him into a victim, saying he should have been suspended, all the idiot talking heads on hockey TV, it's depressing. And, and, and another thing, and I'm, boy, giving away part of my monologue at 4 o'clock right now, but I hate when people say he's a good guy. A good guy wouldn't do to Zach Aston Reese what Tom Wilson did. A good guy wouldn't keep hitting people in the head over and over again three times in nine playoff games. And when he comes back, if he comes back, because he suspended three games, he could be back for game seven, and beyond that, if the Capitals win the series, when he comes back, I guarantee he keeps hitting people in the head. TBS cut Conan O'Brien's show to just half an hour. I mean, why bother? I felt bad for Conan when Jay Leno screwed him by coming back. But you know, his ratings with The Tonight Show weren't very good. And obviously his ratings on TBS aren't real good if they're cutting the show to half an hour. I mean, what else does TBS have in terms of original programming? TBS and TNT, I guarantee they regret the day they decided they didn't want to televise wrestling anymore. They regret the day they didn't want to give me 3000 a week to work one day a week. They regret that. I know they do. In just 30 seconds, I'm going to talk about hockey being broken.
I'm Mark Madden 1059.